What is nanotechnology? What are its applications in our daily life? How close are fictional portrayals of scientists to the real thing? In this episode, Dr. David So, one of the Department of Science and Technology's Balik scientists, talks about his specialization in nanotechnology. Abby Favis from the Ateneo Institute of Sustainability chats with Dr. So about becoming a scientist in the Philippines, science in media and pop culture, and DOST's efforts to combat brain drain through the Balik Scientist program. Pocket Lectures is a show on the Arte Podcasts Network, produced and recorded in Arte, Ateneo de Manila University. This episode is brought to you by CL Foliosco Group, a multi-company organization involved in agricultural equipment, steel and metal fabrication, water treatment, finance, natural food ingredient processing, real estate, business process outsourcing, consultancy, and other services. Welcome to another episode of the Arete Pocket Lectures. I'm Abby Favis from the Ateneo Institute of Sustainability and I'm your host for this episode. And joining us today is Dr. David So, Balik Scientist. Hello. Hi, David. Hello. Can you tell us a little bit about the Balik Scientist program? Oh, so the Balik Scientist program is a, it's kind of a brain, green, brain gain initiative uh, by the DOST. So it's something to counteract brain drain. So um, basically, uh, it's a, uh, a thrust by the Department of Science and Technology to encourage uh, Filipinos who have gone abroad for, for studies, for, uh, who have, for example, have gained a name uh, in a certain field to come back and contribute to the science and technology in the Philippines. So they have uh, a list of target research areas. It could be in agriculture, in communications, in, in nanotechnology, um, all sorts of things. But the idea is to stimulate um, local research groups in the Philippines in terms of uh, their research progress. And you're here as a Balik scientist in which field of science? Uh, so I'm here as a Balik scientist in, in nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us about nanotechnology for the layperson? Uh, well, nanotechnology is a, is a big uh, umbrella for a lot of things. But um, in its basic sense, it deals with everything uh, nano, the manipulation of things in the nanoscale for all sorts of applications. So to understand what is nanotechnology, you have to understand what is a nanometer. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's, in, it's good to think about length scales. Okay. So you can first start by um, uh, like imagining how big is a strand of hair. Mm-hmm. So a strand of hair actually is 20, around 25 micrometers, mm-hmm. 25 microns. So luckily, when I was like Googling how to kind of um, help people visualize what is a nanometer, uh, EDSA, the whole length of EDSA is actually around 25 kilometers. That's from which point? That's from um, Moa um, all the way to uh, the Bonifacio Monument. Mm-hmm. So the whole circumferential road, mm-hmm. not just the usual EDSA that we know. So it's the whole of that is 25 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And uh, a tricycle uh, is around a meter in, in length. Um, so if you would have uh, 
like tricycle traffic, bumper to bumper, from the uh, from Moa all the way to Bonifacio Monument, that would be around 25,000 tricycles. So if you imagine the whole fitting in the whole length of of EDSA with all the tricycles in a strand of hair, that will be a nanometer. And we're talking about the diameter. The diameter. So uh, a particle of one nanometer, uh, uh, one nanometer in diameter would be like a tricycle. Along EDSA. So that's how small. How small it, it is. is. So um, because of that length scale, a lot of things fall in that length scale, mm -hmm. um, like uh, uh, cells, uh, some. Um, some surfaces of leaves and um, colloids, milk and coffee. So there are a lot of like nano objects that we are um, that we uh, interface with every day. Right. Um, most of it is natural, but mm -hmm. the good thing with nanotechnology is that we can control things in that uh, size regime to suit our purposes. And sometimes a lot of emergent properties come out um, by um, making things uh, in that scale. What, what excites you about nanotechnology? Maybe you can start by giving us your, a, a bit more of your background and how you got into this kind of research. Uh, well, uh, I started, I did my, my, my bachelor's here at the Ateneo. So I did a bachelor's of physics and chemistry. I'm oh, sorry, no, that's wrong. <laughs> a bachelor's of physics and material science. So this double degree that Ateneo offers. Yes. Uh, and then I took on a master's in chemistry. So that's it. I took up a master's in chemistry. Uh, and then during that time, I was working with Dr. Enriquez as mm -hmm. a research assistant. Right. So we were working on making disensitized solar cells printable. Mm -hmm. um, and that got me interested with um, like things in the nanoscale because um, we were trying to um, make inks uh, mm -hmm. of these tiny crystals of TiO2, titania. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I got an internship in Munich, uh, which uh, in was involved with making nanocrystals, mm -hmm. and it kind of um, grew from there. I, I took up a PhD in Spain, mm -hmm. which, uh, uh, which uh, where I'm at now with my current research, so using these nanomaterials for photovoltaics. So I was trying to um, explore uh, non-toxic alternatives mm -hmm. for quantum dots. Because currently, most quantum dot materials are lead or cadmium-based. So this becomes a, a hindrance for them to be accepted by, for example, in the EU, uh, most, most elec consumer electronics goods should not have lead or cadmium in them. So it becomes a, you know, um, a barrier for ac uh, market acceptance. Right. So that was what I was doing in, in, in Spain, uh, trying to translate uh, lead-based nanocrystals to non-toxic ones for PV applications. Mm -hmm. And then when I took up a postdoc in, in the US, and it kind of veered a little bit to um, more optics side of things, to using nanomaterials in solar concentrators, so something that is complementary to PV technology. Right. Very interesting. But earlier on, when did you decide you wanted to be a scientist? And what got you interested in science? Well, um, I would say that well, I, I think everyone has a curious mind. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people f 
think may think that science is a very um, might be an esoteric thing. You know, it's far removed from from most other practices. But actually, science is quite uh, it's quite uh, it's quite similar to, for example, being a detective or a reporter, because I mean, science is a process uh, of acquiring knowledge, and it is that body of knowledge as well. But uh, you need to be creative um, in doing science. You need to find solutions. And I always like to tinker with things and, and play with like uh, scenarios, what would happen if you do this, if you do that at a young age. Um, and, and you have to do that with science. So uh, for example, as a detective, you would have to um, think of like following leads, um, chasing up on witnesses, and thinking of scenarios that could have happened. Um, and another, on another level, science um, is quite communal. You would think that science is more, um, it's very isolated, that you solitary. work, yeah, very solitary, that you would work independently alone in the lab mm -hmm. with like, you know, cold things, oh, chemicals, molecules, you know, mixing things. But actually, there's a lot of interactions uh, that happen. Scientists have to go to, to conferences, mm -hmm. share their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Most scientists have to engage with the public um, um, for to enhance like scientific communication and understanding on what is found or um, prevent fears or to excite the public on what could what is possible. Mm -hmm. So in that way, um, like uh, it's very per uh, interpersonal right. um, and. Science is quite malleable. Um, it's not so fixed because growing up, I guess we were, f uh, we might be taught of science through a through a textbook from a textbook that everything's fixed. World is round. It is round. It's gonna be round. It is round. But uh, <laughs> it will stay round. I think <laughs> it will stay round. But a lot of the things that we know, like for example, when we we discovered quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. we thought everything was could be described by Newtonian, Newtonian physics. physics, by all these um, um, large-scale equations of force equals MA. Right. But in the quantum world, everything becomes weird. So then people had to revise um, um, their whole understanding of, of physics or, or kind of uh, reconfigure it to, to incorporate these new, uh, new findings in the same way that a detective would, would kind of have to remodel um, how a crime was committed by incorporating new evidence that come up. So, so in, in some ways, um, yeah, I, I went to science because I was kind of curious. I, was, uh, I like to play with things and I like to like, see what will happen and play with scenarios and things like that. And now you're a big scientist. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about your playground here in the Ateneo and what things you play around with? So my work here in the Ateneo, as a, so as a Balik scientist, the idea is to um, become a catalyst, to help um, uh, accelerate research in a particular field. Mm -hmm. So in the Ateneo, uh, in Dr. Enriquez's lab, his work is on um, printable electronics. Yeah. So right now they're making great strides in, in making an ink uh, made out of gold mm -hmm. that's printable. So um, maybe it will... Uh, paved the way to um, wearable or flexible electronics or something like that. But um, there's still some space that needs to be developed with respect to um, functional materials. So all these conductors like gold, printable gold or silver are useful, 
but you need a material that can be tuned, that, uh, that can store memory, or that can um, ha be tunable in terms of how electrons can pass through it. Right. So this, that's why you need semiconductors mm -hmm. or magnetic materials. Um, and quantum dots lend themselves um, easily to being formulated into an ink. So mm -hmm. quantum dots themselves are semiconductors. Right. So they can be used as the emitters in a, in a light-emitting diode mm -hmm. or, or things like that. So I'm working um, with his lab uh, trying to introduce this new class of materials in their printing um, uh, skill set. Mm -hmm. And is there any special equipment that you play around with? Or? So um, um, if you're free or if anyone is free, they can come over to CTC and they can see the setup that I've made for um, uh, synthesizing these nanomaterials. Really? You would think that you'd need something um, complicated. complicated, but it's just like some sets of tubes attached to, to like tanks and like a pump. Um, uh, eh, but it's quite simple. Um, so yeah. Did so you have to make it yourself? Yeah, I had to uh, assemble it um, from spare parts, and um, it's called the Schlenk line. So it's a system that allows you to manipulate uh, reactions in in inert or a, a vacuum environment. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, the surface of Gabi. So if, if you're a child and when you were a, ch a child, when I was a child, uh, I remember like it was interesting uh, that when water hits the surface of oh, Gabi, it just slips off. Uh, basically the surface of Gabi is uh, structured mm -hmm. so that uh, it's what's called the lotus leaf effect. So it has become very hydrophobic, so water mm -hmm. just slips right off. Um, the eyes of, of flies, mm -hmm. they're quite uh, nano, has like some structuring on it. Mm -hmm. uh, milk and, and coffee. Milk. milk and coffee are basically colloids. Mm -hmm. um, they're not that small, but they're around, uh, you know, that length, near that length scale. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Cells, uh, viruses, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So these are all in the in the nanoscale. But when we talk about nanotechnology, what do we actually mean? So, um, for example, um, in in some uh, um, restrooms, I don't know, I don't know if in some restrooms, but people in in journals would say, "Oh, we've created this um, interesting surface that we structured so that when you." Um, just shine light on it, um, it uh, prevents, it, it uh, sanitizes the surface. So structured surfaces or uh, materials that are in the nanoscale, like uh, uh, nanocrystals. So um, some, some clothes have nanosilver in them mm -hmm. that uh, are supposedly antimicrobial right. or are antimicrobial. It's not my field. I I've don't seen, know that. I've seen socks. <laughs> yeah, I've seen socks, but I don't know about them so much. Some say that um, um, they're not that good for the environment because when they wash out, um, of course, that's the whole thing with, with, with science. As with all new technologies, uh, there has to be a... a um, some sort of uh, precaution mm -hmm. uh, that um, of like what it could do later on, right. because a lot of new technologies we don't really know what they're going to do to to nature, to animals, to 
to the environment later on. Is there a lot of fear surrounding nanotechnology? So some time back, there was uh, what's called uh, the gray goo. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a fear of like uh, nanotechnology being smart enough to replicate itself. In, in some movies, um, I think it was in the Rise of Cobra or something. Okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> there was this uh, like a secret organization or the, the villain group there released uh, uh, like a swarm of nanomites or right. nanobots yeah. that would just like swarm over a city and start eating um, all the structures. And then as they ate, they created more of themselves, and it was just an unstoppable um, like snowball effect of destruction. Yeah. Um, it might happen, might not happen. We don't know. Like for example, we didn't predict that the cell phone will be this, or the internet will be this important in our day and age. But um, there was a debate some time ago. Um, uh, most scientists feel like it, like we don't have cars that self-replicate. We don't have technology that that uh, you know ha that have overtaken us. In some way, they have, but they're not at that level yet. But there is that fear. So it could kind of um, uh, hamper progress because of how the public could accept uh, yeah. certain technologies because of these fears. Sure. But what are the benefits that we get that we might be able to so get from nanotechnology? So it's kind of far, well, um, right now the promises of TAN technology are quite far reaching. Mm -hmm. So. Um, because of its length scale, because of how it could affect uh, like uh, biological uh, species, like cells and all that. Mm -hmm. um, it could lead to uh, targeted medicine, uh, right. better diagnostics. So uh, some materials can be used as tags mm -hmm. for processes in the cells, so we can understand more what's happening there. Or you can have uh, vehicles for medicine, so that instead of taking things uh, systemically, right. you can just take it uh, in smaller doses so mm -hmm. that they can go directly to the target site. Um, they could lead to stronger materials. Um, you can mix these materials in with uh, uh, with, con with smaller, with the le uh, less amount of doping. Um, it could lead to faster um, technology, faster computers, because you can make um, your uh, computing power more dense because you can control things in the nanoscale. You can it could also lead to better displays um, because now there are materials that are quantum dots which are quite bright. Right. Uh, you can control where it emits and how bright it is. So um, these are all predictions of, of what is in the lab and extrapolating it to what can be in the market. Right. And of course, a lot of it is still in development. Mm -hmm. Uh, and to go into that um, might be a, uh, but might take a longer podcast. But <laughs> it, uh, in in short, a nanocrystal is a tiny piece of crystal in the nanoscale. So mm -hmm. similar to this analogy that mm -hmm. we talked about right. about the tricycle. Right. So it's a tiny, tiny piece of crystal. So because of that size, you, um, emergent properties come out. Okay. So imagine something like I don't know like the skin of an apple mm -hmm. or the peel of an orange. These are like, uh, these have color. Right. So the skin of an apple is red, mm -hmm. uh, of course, orange is orange. Uh, if you cut, cut that up into tiny pieces, it would still remain red 
or orange. Mm -hmm. The color is innate to what the material is. Right. So what's interesting with uh, quantum dots is that they change color by change uh, if you tune the size. So it means that you get access to to newer materials. Actually, quantum dots have been touted as uh, artificial atoms mm -hmm. by the way that we could control um, uh, the emission spectrum. So because of how it is, it behaves like an atom, so to speak, uh, because mm -hmm. of the, it creates uh, like, uh, like energy levels. Okay. So uh, it's similar to what's called in physics, a particle in a box. Mm -hmm. So by controlling the size of that box, you can control uh, the transitions in that system. And what is a direct application or a direct result of this kind of manipulation mm -hmm. of your quantum So dot? it has a, a large um, possible application in, in optoelectronics. Mm -hmm. um, because I said you can control the color of it, right. you can imagine um, a more vivid display. Mm -hmm. So instead of uh, depending on simple RGB, you can have a bigger gamut of colors. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you go to like supermarkets, as, um, like appliance, the appliance section of a mall. Um, there, companies now are selling quantum dot TVs. So mm -hmm. once I went there and yeah. asked one of the kuyas, like, Kuya, what is a quantum dot TV? <laughs> so um, he said that, oh, it, it contains this new technology that uh -huh. can control. So it's kind of amazing that uh, uh, just a few years ago, this was just in the lab, and now it's, it's something you can buy and right. put in your house. It's commercialized. Yeah. So apart from like brighter displays, you can think of um, uh, these, these crystals as being uh, a kind of um, transistor material. So mm -hmm. a transistor is basically a switch. Right. So they need semiconductors, something mm -hmm. that can, you can control the flow of charges across. Mm -hmm. So because it's really small, you can think of like a circuit having all these tiny crystals. Mm -hmm. So because right now we're limited to how small we can go through right. current manufacturing limitations. Mm -hmm. So if we can go smaller, we can have smaller things or more things that are normal size but packed with more computing power. So we can have faster or maybe even uh, quantum computing. But um, that's maybe I'll be putting my, my foot in my mouth, but maybe that will be 10 years. Maybe it will come next week. I don't know. But... Um, that's something in the horizon that people are talking about that's possible with nanotechnology. Right. Aside from electronics, is there any other application for quantum dots? So uh, earlier I said that um, uh, quantum dots have been, could, uh, sorry, nanotechnology has worked on um, some sort of tagging. Mm -hmm. So because these materials are bright, if you right. attach certain biological molecules on right. it, um, that are sensitive to certain processes, mm -hmm. um, you can track, uh, and, and that, that molecule attaches to part of, of an important um, shuttle in a cell. Right. You can track where that is going and see um, the actual processes live as it, uh, because the material would glow. So there are in interesting things that you can do with it. So David, as a scientist, is there anything in pop culture now that you really enjoy watching, like what are your favorite science-themed 
uh, TV shows or series or, or movies. Yeah, I saw my wife and I are really excited when a new ep- new like series comes out of Netflix of Black Mirror. Uh-huh. So every time it comes out, I was like, okay, we're gonna block this day, we're gonna binge watch this right, this right. season right now because it's it's such an interesting take on how um, the the interplay of of technology in society. Right. Yeah. And it always takes um, one piece of technology and takes it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always uh, within the bounds of. What, what's possible, possible at the moment. Right. So for example, there's this uh, um, an episode where they would take social media, mm-hmm. where, when you, where you rate people and, right. and how that could be taken to an extreme mm-hmm. as a form of currency, social currency, right. or where there's a recording where if you can record what you see, um, how this would um, affect um, relationships, how would this, this would ref- uh, affect... Um, investigations, police investigations. Yeah, so it's order. all kind of like mm-hmm. uh, interesting and dark at the same yeah. time. Do you have a favorite episode? So we like the episode uh, Crocodile. Mm-hmm. So um, without getting too much into or spoiling the plot, so it, it became part of a police investigation right. of, of a crime. Mm-hmm. So um, it just, And it just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of scary, but it's kind of interesting um, to see... How which of the technologies that they showed in Black Mirror would come true? Like, right. oh, and where will we find ourselves then in the future? Mm-hmm. It's very thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. So, how about you? What, what have you like? What's your favorite in the in that Black have Mirror you seen episode? It? Yeah. I agree. Uh, Crocodile is one of my my favorites. Also, I like the Black Museum uh, as well. Mm-hmm. That was very very interesting and intriguing. It's like a nod to all the. All the other episodes yes. because there are like little things little in, in tiny the museums. Stories in yeah. The, yeah. yeah, and I like how justice prevailed mm-hmm. in the end in some <laughs> way. <laughs> how about movies? Any favorite science themed or technology themed movies? Hmm. I, or, or on the other hand, are there any science or technology themed movies that you really didn't like or you really think are just too out there? Uh, well, to some extent, movies are always a little bit out there. Of course. Yeah, but um, a lot of the things, like for if, if you take uh, Marvel movies are great, but mm-hmm. a lot of the times, most of the technologies <laughs> there are like, hmm, I don't know if that's <laughs> possible. Like, for example, Tony Stark having a reactor in his chest. I'm not Tony Stark, so probably I can't, I can't design that. Probably it's possible if you're Tony Stark to design right. a nuclear reactor right. to put in your right. heart. But... Um, but a lot of it is a play on imagination mm, or, or speculative. Or, speculative or actually, I've read somewhere that space travel might be not possible. Like mm-hmm. you know, like but a lot of things are space travel themed. It's our desire to be able to explore, to see new things. But um, I don't know how far in the future we'll have to go so that we'll be ev- even be able to go outside of our solar system. Right. It's kind of difficult, but it is possible, maybe. I mean, we I haven't even know. gone beyond the moon. Beyond the moon, yeah. Are there any pet peeves that you have about how science or technology is depicted in pop culture? Um, well, usually, um, I kind of let it go when they would be like, oh, this is... Uh, they put nano in things. This is a <laughs> nano laser or something, <laughs> or a nano gun that shoots nano particles. I doubt if that will like. If you're gonna be hit by a nano crystal, you'd, you'd barely feel it. So, I, I think. I mean, because it's, it's so tiny. It's so tiny. Unless, 
you throw tons of nanocrystals, then it would just look like, you know, a colored liquid or, okay. <laughs> or something. <laughs> it won't be as fantastic as you'd think it would be, but um, they have fantastic properties. Right. But, um, of course, the power of cinema makes it all, like, liter uh, shiny or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, in most most movies, would just add like a uh, fancy or quantum gun, this right. quant or quantum stuff. Uh, again, you know, maybe I I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. um, a lot of the things um, in 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 film that um, that uses science or or or, or cutting edge technology is taken a bit. To, they, they've take given themselves a lot of uh, liberties right. to. To, to, you know, Interpret. give way to Im imagination yeah. and, and, and you know, to entertain people. Yeah. Yes. So, David, you've done a lot of research and you, you're involved in a very interesting uh, field of science. But what do you think is the role of scientists in, for example, Philippine society? Mm -hmm. I think uh, we talked about it earlier that um, um, there is some stereotype about what a scientist is and who are scientists in our country. I think there should be bigger involvement in in scientific communication and trying to reach out to the public uh, for sci the, the scientists should should be part of it more, of this more um, one to uh, to dispel this stereotype of who a scientist is and for people to know like oh that is a scientist um, they seem like normal people you know um, but also to let people know where their taxes are going because a lot of science is actually funded by by people's taxes mm -hmm. and Actually, scientists have the responsibility to um, to report to whoever gave them the funding, which is which are the citizens. Um, it would help people um, realize that um, there's a lot of research, good research at that, that's being done in the Philippines, and research that's relevant to to their life. Um, it's also something to be proud of that. Uh, that wow, we have the capability in the Philippines to do this or to do that. So I think um, scientists in the Philippines would do a great service, being um, having a bigger presence in the Philippines, in Philippine um, Philippine consciousness. And before we end, is there any advice that you would like to give to young scientists? I think um, so just keep going, just do the science that you're doing. Um, try to. Um, improve yourselves, um, but also for people who are abroad, who are now taking um, like all their further studies or are in, in now prestigious universities abroad to come back to the Philippines. There's the Balik Scientist Program mm -hmm. um, initiated by the DOSD, and it's a, it's a good program to kind of um, engage yourself in local research. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised at the capabilities that we have here in the country. Great. Thank you very much, David, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for having me. Yes, this has been Abby Favis for the Arete Pocket Lectures podcast. We would like to thank Dr. David Saw and Ms. Abby Favis for appearing on this episode of Pocket Lectures. This was made possible by CL Folyosco Group, a multi-company organization involved in agricultural equipment, steel and metal fabrication, water treatment, finance, natural food ingredient processing, real estate, business process outsourcing, consultancy, and other services. The episode was edited by Francesco Amante with music from purple-planet.com. If you'd like to listen to more of Pocket Lectures, visit our website 
arte.ateneo.edu slash podcasts or check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow at Arte Ateneo on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for updates. Music